0: Hi, my name's Mara. This episode of The Radioactive Show was recorded and produced on Boonarang and Garnaland for 3CR Melbourne. This week, we speak to Mark Parnell, the parliamentary leader of the SA Greens in the South Australian Legislative Council. We discuss the federal bill currently before the federal Senate that aims to amend the already inadequate National Radioactive Waste Management Act. Hi, Mark, thanks so much for joining me on The Radioactive Show today. Yeah,
1: my pleasure, Mara.
0: Um, Now, today we're going to be talking about what's happening with the federal government's proposal for a radioactive waste facility in Kimber in South Australia. What are your concerns about the proposal overall?
1: Well, we've only got a short period and there are so many concerns. I think at at the most basic level, the process has been flawed from the outset. Um, It's been flawed in relation to the actual need for any nuclear waste facility uh, it's been flawed in relation to the uh, hands up volunteers process uh, that the government went through it's been incredibly flawed in relation to how community consent uh, or otherwise uh, has been determined and i think it's flawed in a most significant way in relation to the traditional owners and how they've been kept out of the process so we, we can we can explore some or all of all of those but but certainly the current process um, is one that's fairly predictable. Um, the, uh, the government has introduced legislation into the federal parliament um, that effectively overrides uh, state legislation, and we can explore uh, what that means. Um, but I think, in terms of you know the here and now, a really important thing for people to know is that it's not too late <laughs> to have your say, because with the uh, coronavirus, obviously that's thrown all sorts of workplaces into disarray, not the least of which is the federal parliament. So they have actually uh, delayed um, their deadline for submissions for people who want to have a say on whether Kimber in South Australia um, is uh, the right location for a national nuclear waste facility, uh, whether a facility is even needed in the first place. So um, yeah, we've got till the 9th of April now, so uh, that's... Uh, Thursday of uh, next week. But um, yeah, Thursday the night is the deadline for submissions to the Senate inquiry.
0: Mm. Now, yeah, so that Senate inquiry, um, it's, it, they're looking to amend the National Radioactive Management Act, which we all know has been deeply flawed right from the start. Do you think this new incarnation, if the bill gets through, will be making it worse? And what are the changes that it's proposing?
1: Well, uh, as I understand it, the main change is that uh, it actually points the finger fairly and squarely at Kimber, uh, which is in the Upper Air Peninsula region of South Australia, as the location for the facility. And having uh, identified that location, um, it then uh, freeze up uh, some of the money that was promised uh, to go to that um, to her. Ever was the lucky community to win uh, mm. the nuclear waste facility. So I think they're probably the the, the main changes. Um, but yes, you're right, Mara. The the law um, was flawed to start with. It's even more flawed. Uh, now Um, and you know the question is I guess uh, how we as a community respond. One thing that gives me great heart is that the last time South Australians went through this type of exercise was when the previous Labor government had this brilliant idea that uh, as a state South Australia could become wealthy beyond our wildest imaginings if only we did one thing took all of the world's high-level nuclear waste and (laughs) I think a lot of South Australians sort of came to the conclusion if it seems too good to be true it probably is Um, and if it's such a brilliant idea and it's going to make us all you know wealthy beyond our our belief then uh, why hasn't anyone done it before and to its credit the South Australian community rejected that proposal Um, so you know, nuclear debates aren't new in South Australia. We've had them for some time.
0: No, but you'd think at some point the government would stop trying to impose them on South Australia. We're such a long history of saying no and winning. It's astonishing that they keep on coming back. It's a bit like whack-a-mole.
1: <laughs> well, that's true. And I guess, uh, I don't know, part of their reasoning might be that, you know, we've had the majority of operating uranium mines in South Australia, um, which many of us aren't happy about, but that that's the history. Um And, uh, of course, a very dark chapter in our history was was the British nuclear tests uh, at Maralinga, Um, the the fallout from which, you know, pun intended, is still with us today. Um, So I think, uh, you know, South Australia has probably always seemed a logical target. But if we come back to the, um, you know, the government's process of of, uh, looking for volunteers, um, I'm working from memory here, but I think that there were, 20 or 30 uh, nominations. 28. I, 28? Around okay. the country. In between the, yep. in the, tw- between yep. the two? Yep, we're spot um, on. They shortlisted down to six, uh, three of which were in South Australia. And then uh, the Flinders Rangers was ruled out um, following the community ballot that they held there. Um, and that effectively left Kimber as the last candidate standing. Mm. Um, I, I will say, Mara, at this point that I have no criticism of the people of Kimber um, who voted for this and who thought that it was a good idea um, and, and the reason oh, I think it 's a bad idea, let me make that clear but i 've got no criticism of the people of Kimber because one of the the flawed aspects of this whole proposal was the bribes uh, that were on offer and If you were in a small country town where the population was declining your kids all moved to the big city because there was no work for them in town and you know there's no doctor or dentist or whatever oh, I sort of I I get it as to why they thought well here's a chance maybe maybe there will be dozens of jobs they promised us dozens of jobs maybe you know maybe this will be the you know the reinvigoration of our town that we've been waiting for i, I think they'll be sadly Disappointed, uh, especially in relation to jobs, um, but I sort of get it why they thought that uh, you know taking the the, the money uh, from the feds uh, for hosting this nuclear waste facility seemed like a good idea. But it's not universal. There's a significant proportion of that community that thought it was a bad idea and didn't want it. And at the um, at the head of of that group were the traditional owners, the Bungala people, um, and. They weren't even allowed to participate in the community ballot unless they lived uh, in the Kimber District Council area. Now, everyone knows that the history of colonisation of this country um, has been dominated by one thing, dispossession. And most of the people uh, for whom that's their traditional country don't live. Um, on their traditional lands. They're living in other towns and cities. They're probably spread all over Australia. I mean, that is the history of, no fault of, of our their First own. Nations. A- absolutely. But I guess what really struck me was that having fought for 20 years, that their um, their campaign finally bore fruit and they were recognised as traditional owners. And and then you fast forward to 2019, 2020, and what we see is that the very first significant major uh, development on their traditional lands is this nuclear waste dump, and they're told they can't even vote. You know yeah. what? What, a, what an outrage that was, and it. And what struck me was that um, if reconciliation in this country is to mean anything, then uh, we still have a very long way to go because uh, denying traditional owners, even even in a non-binding plebiscite, uh, the chance to have their say, um, I, I think, was appalling. When they did have their own ballot, they were hundred percent against it. And so if you'd actually included them in the the original Kimber ballot, there would have been less than half the eligible community thought this was a good idea and Kimber would be off the agenda which suggests to me that their exclusion was pretty deliberate.
0: Exactly. And it's completely disregarding anything coming out of the United Nations, like the Declaration on the Rights of Indigenous Peoples and the Committee on the Elimination of Racial Discrimination, Um, because they have said that the racially discriminatory land practices have endured as an acute impairment of the rights of Australia's Indigenous communities. Um, So, therefore, imposing a waste facility on bungalow country will exacerbate the problems identified by the UN CERD committee. And then on top of that, it's in complete breach of Article 29.2 that says that no storage or disposal of hazardous materials shall take place in the lands of territories of Indigenous people without their free, power-informed consent. Mm. So they've got no consent. They can't pretend they have consent. But because it's non-binding, um, it seems irrelevant and the federal government can forge ahead with their ridiculous plan.
1: Yeah, well, in, in fact, it's, it's, it's what you're saying, uh, but it's, it's even more complicated than that. And At, at risk of um, putting taking my green politician hat off and putting my lawyer hat on, um, we do have uh, a situation in Australia where, as a nation, we can sign all sorts of treaties and protocols and Uh, conventions that we like but none of them are binding in domestic law unless the parliament passes special legislation and what we're seeing in fact is special legislation uh, passed in direct opposition uh, to the rights that are created by these international instruments. So just something for people to think about next time you know you see on the on the TV uh, a proud foreign minister from Australia you know signing up to something really good uh, just remember it's probably not worth the paper it's written on unless the parliament's prepared to enact it in domestic law. But what, but what that does also uh, segue into nicely is the fact that South Australia does have some pretty clear laws uh, about this. Uh, the Nuclear Facilities Prohibition Act, which goes back to the year 2000, uh, so that's 20 years old, um, uh, originally a liberal state Liberal government. Um, it was further strengthened uh, a couple of years later by a state Labor government. Uh, in a nutshell, this law basically says nuclear waste dumps are illegal in South Australia. And so I get a lot of people asking me, so, "Well, scratching their heads saying, well, this Kimber National Repository for intermediate and low-level waste, how can that possibly go ahead? Because there's a state law which prohibits it. Um, and the answer to that. I think goes back to our our constitution <laughs> that um, in lots of areas uh, federal laws will prevail over state laws. Not every area, but certainly in the area of, of uh, nuclear uh, issues and, and radioactivity, uh, federal laws do prevail, and that's because we have signed a number of treaties around uh, the nuclear industry, um, and. Once the Commonwealth has signed treaties and passed laws, even though, as we've said, they're inconsistent with uh, in of other treaties, like Indigenous rights treaties, um, once the feds enter the field, then the state laws are probably overridden. And I say probably because it wouldn't surprise me if there's some sort of a legal challenge. Um, but uh, most academics are saying, nah, the feds will prevail. So the South Australian law... Uh, you can tear a fair bit of that up. It's not going to apply.
0: You're listening to The Radioactive Show, broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. We're speaking with the Parliamentary Leader of the South Australian Greens, Mark Parnell, about the National Radioactive Waste Management Amendment Bill that's currently before the Senate. If the bill that has, is currently before government is passed and the Federal Radioactive Waste Management Act is um accepted and those changes are made then south australia was going to be um having a parliamentary inquiry into the likely impact of the facility on the well-being of the state and you'll be a member of that committee what do you think that inquiry could achieve and how do you think it'll work
1: well, it's, it's interesting. I've just said that the, the federal law will, will override the state law. But when they wrote the state law all those years ago, 20 years ago, they put a special clause in there, which, um, which basically said, I'll paraphrase, if those dastardly feds try to impose a nuclear waste dump on South Australia, then the South Australian parliament will immediately launch an inquiry um, to look at the impact of the facility on the Well, it's a triple bottom line. It's economic, social and environmental uh, well-being of South Australia. So uh, that inquiry um, will be triggered by the passage of the federal laws. So if the the Senate uh, ultimately passes uh, the government's bill in Canberra, uh, then that will trigger a state inquiry. The state inquiry will be um, held, uh, conducted by the Environment Resources and Development Committee. And that's a committee that I represent the Greens on. Um, And I'm looking forward to that. One of the things that I'm hoping the state parliamentary inquiry will do is something that the feds won't do. And that is to go up and eyeball the communities that are affected. You know, we need to to make sure the state inquiry goes up to Kimber. But not just Kimber. um, It goes up to Port Augusta. Um, It goes to Wayala. It talks to the people who live in the port towns where radioactive waste might be transshipped. Uh, We talk to people on the highways uh, through, you know, whose communities uh, will see nuclear waste travelling through them. Uh, We need to talk to those people as well. And we especially need to talk to the Bangala traditional owners because they are probably uh, thinking, you know, what was the point of of getting our native title (laughs) recognised when the very first chance we get to properly use it, uh, we are completely um uh, cut out of the process. Mm. So I think we need to build some bridges with that community, absolutely.
0: Those transport corridors that that should be communicated with and consulted. That extends beyond South Australia, which won't be captured in the South Australian inquiry, of course. So theoretically the federal government should be consulting right from the start with the communities that are on the transport routes around the country because there is obviously most of the intermediate level waste um, stored and produced at Lucas Heights, south of Sydney, but the government maintains that there's about 100 storage facilities of radioactive waste around the country. We don't know where they are, but they'll all be coming from somewhere and no one knows where they are really or what Mm. those routes would be. So it really is an Australian problem that has landed quite squarely on South Australia and Kimber in particular.
1: Yeah, well, that, that's right, and and one of the uh, disappointing things with the current, uh, you know, isolation and we're all at home working and we're not having public meetings is that um, the feds are proceeding with their process, uh, even though there's going to be very few opportunities to properly engage all of these communities that, or that you know, that need to be spoken with. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the other point that, that I think, going back to very first principles, um, so much of this debate uh, has centred on if you've ever had anyone in your family who's had nuclear medicine, therefore you must support the waste dump at Kimber. Now, it doesn't make sense to you, and it doesn't make sense to me. It is completely illogical. Um, but the impression that they're trying to give us is that anyone who's who knows anyone who's ever taken advantage of modern medicine, uh, therefore uh, it's incumbent on you to support this facility. And they're suggesting that... Um, nuclear, low-level nuclear waste will be transported from hospital basements. They always talk about these hospital basements and other locations. The gloves and gloves that
0: need to be disposed so people can be safe.
1: Well, that's right. And I I guess when I first heard that, I thought, well, the facility in the basement is going to be receiving material every day. So unless the surgeon... uh, pops it into a into a plastic uh, shopping bag and puts it in the back of a taxi uh, to drive a thousand kilometres up to Kimber. It's going back into the basement. And uh, sure, they might say, oh well, well, we'll clear the basement out every so often. But as far as I know, um, uh, many of the existing facilities that store low-level nuclear waste will continue to store low-level nuclear waste. Um, Until they reach a
0: certain quantity that it's economically viable to move. The other factor in amongst that is that hospital waste, what the government doesn't want people to know, even though it's been said many, many times by the doctors we have on our side of the campaign trying to stop the lies around it, is that... The hospital waste, a lot of the radioactive waste that is stored in hospitals, degrades to safe levels depending on what it is, sometimes two days, sometimes a few months, and then is often disposed of at a regular landfill. Most of what's coming out of hospitals will not end up at a national facility, it just goes to regular um, landfills once it's decayed to a safe level. So that's not actually what we're talking about. But the Minister and the Department of Industry, Innovation and Science don't want people to know that because it's far more emotive to <laughs> exactly. use that line of if you don't support the waste dump, you'll lose access to nuclear medicine, which is just blatantly untrue and misleading. And I don't think it's um – well, they're not playing fair, really.
1: No, no, you you did right. And um, I'm not a doctor, but it doesn't take, you know, an expert – to realise that when it comes to, you know, use of um, nuclear medicine, for example, it's generally materials with a fairly low half-life that you're injecting into people's bodies or subjecting them to, Um, a a half-life, so it degrades, you know, very quickly, and uh, in many cases in uh, hours uh, or days, and yeah, most of it just ends up in the tip, Mm. but the whole reason, as you well know, that they focus on this is because the real game is not gowns and masks and gloves, the real game is the reactor waste uh, from uh, Lucas Heights.
0: Absolutely. And
1: and that uh, is supposedly going to be uh, stored in an interim uh, storage facility. So not permanent. You know, the, the low-level stuff, you know, they'll bury it in barrels or whatever. That, that'll that be permanent. But the, the serious waste, the intermediate-level waste that stays dangerous for a very, very long time, um, that is allegedly intermediate. And what that suggests is that at some point it will be moved again. Now, many groups have made the point that it makes no sense to move it more often than it needs to be. And once it's at Lucas Heights, they've got the facilities to keep it there. That's where it should stay. It doesn't make sense to move it. But then they're saying, and after what, 10 years, 50 years, 100 years, we'll move it out of Kimber and move it somewhere else. Um, So, really, that's the discussion that the government doesn't want us to be having. They want us to talk about gloves and gowns. They don't want us to talk about dangerous nuclear waste, for which there is no long-term solution, only the idea of uh, Kimber looking after it for a while.
0: Mm, And some government, at some point in the future, will then have to deal with it. But it's not this guy's turn. It's someone else in the future.
1: Well, that's politics. Mm. And. And I guess you know I mentioned before that South Australians had their say a couple of years ago on whether we wanted to be the world's high-level uh, nuclear waste dump, and I was part of that inquiry as well. And and I've actually travelled all over the world looking at nuclear waste dumps, and um, and it, it just drove home to me that a big part of the anti-nuclear movement in this country has has been there is no uh, permanent solution to the waste. Not any and certainly the Finns and the and the French are trying very hard, and the best they've come up with is digging very very deep holes and putting it way down the bottom, and then uh, hoping to goodness that it doesn't leach out and that nothing else goes wrong um, over the next uh, you know several hundred thousand years. Mm. Um, so it's the, the whole issue of, of uh, nuclear waste um, is fraught. But what I think people do recognise um, is that. Uh, Taking the world's nuclear waste was just a dumb idea, Uh, unnecessary, stupid, and would have cost us a fortune. Um, But Australia's nuclear waste is Australia's problem. I don't don't think uh, it's a question of trying to palm that off to anyone else. Uh, Radioactive waste that's in Australia is our problem. Uh, But that does not mean that Uh, shipping it to Kimber in South Australia is the answer so I I know many of the groups are still calling for a more thorough audit Uh, exactly what waste are we talking about where is it how dangerous is it really Um, what are the options leave it where it is Um, move it a short distance move it a long distance I don't think we've actually had that discussion yet Um, we've gone straight from we have nuclear waste, we must find a single repository for it and it needs to be somewhere remote. Uh, South Australia will do um, and the fact that the traditional owners don't like it, well, they can just get lost.
0: Mm, particularly when native title legislation is a bit of a stitch-up.
1: Yes, well, that's it. And like I say, I think uh, the Bangala people would be thinking, you know, why did we fight for two decades it was, yeah, <laughs>
0: to, it was, it to was, get this? I think it was 12 years that they were fighting and they only got the determination yeah. a couple of years ago. So yeah, it's absurd. Yeah. It's absurd. It's complete disrespect. How would you like to see things proceed? What do you think would be a better way forward for the management of Australia's waste?
1: Oh, well, actually, in the short term, uh, for the Senate to reject this legislation. Oh,
0: absolutely. I mean, that, that's, that,
1: that's the first thing. Because as, as people know, um, for a for the law to change, um, it needs to be approved by both Houses of Parliament. Uh, the, the government controls the lower house, which is why they're the government. That's... The, definition of government the people who control the lower house but they don't control the senate so i'm hoping that the greens um labor and others on the crossbench will defeat this legislation then i think what we need um is a thorough process that doesn't start with the premise that we need a dump site that's not the premise the premise needs to be what waste have we got what waste are we still generating Uh, we need to look at how else uh, to do that so we you know we need to have the cyclotron debate and look at how radioactive isotopes can be manufactured without uh, using the um, uh, reactor at lucas heights so we need to have that debate we need to have a look at what australian waste is being reprocessed overseas and when might that come back and where might that be best sent so i think we need to have that debate from first principles you know the nature of the problem uh, before we start looking at um uh, locations for a dump that so doesn't the cart sound is before radical, the horse
0: Mark, starting at the well, beginning <laughs> not the
1: middle <laughs> well it, yeah cart horse you know it's <laughs> um it just i don't know it, it just seems incredibly logical to me and i for the life of me i can't understand uh why they've proceeded the way they are the best guess that i've got is that i haven't been to lucas heights but certainly sydney is expanding and maybe you know people are getting a bit uncomfortable that the suburbs are encroaching uh, the the location of or the headquarters of Australia's nuclear industry. Um, and so rather than putting their energy into shutting that industry down and looking for alternatives, uh, they're focusing on, well, how can we get the waste somewhere else, maybe where there's less people? And As so, opposed to creating less waste or no waste that's, at exactly, all. It's, exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah, it does seem a bit cart and horse and all a bit backwards, but... That's what we have. So with a bit of luck, the bill that's currently before Parliament, with the Senate, will not be passed. And then where to from there, do you think?
1: Well, I think that if the bill is defeated by the Senate, then the government's really got two options open to it. Um, it can persevere and it can just keep reintroducing the bill. It can just wait till after the next election and hope that the numbers are a bit more friendly or it can do what I've suggested and what the Greens are suggesting is going back to square one, um, looking at the problem square in the face, working out how much is a problem and how much isn't a problem, um, and, and going from there, rather than the starting point being we need a dump, where should it be, let's start with volunteers, because as you well know, they've tried imposing nuclear waste dumps on unwilling communities many times over the years, and they've always come a cropper, which is why they come up with this idea of calling for volunteers. but. As we've said, when you add the traditional owners uh, into the community ballot, uh, it turns out less than half of those people are willing uh, to have this facility uh, on their in their neighbourhood. And so, I don't think there is a willing volunteer out there. And so, the government's bill is flawed. Uh, it needs to be rejected, and they need to go back to the drawing board.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, Mark. Thank you so much for your time and insights today. It's been absolutely wonderful to speak to you, as always.
1: That's right. My pleasure. And I'll, I'll no doubt talk to you again uh, if and when the South Australian inquiry gets underway. Well, I'm, hoping hopefully. It, I'm hoping it doesn't. Hoping exactly. It doesn't if the
0: it, bill gets defeated, there is no inquiry and that's one less thing on your
1: plate. Absolutely. And there's enough to go on with, I can tell you.
0: Thanks so much to Mark Parnell for sharing his legal and parliamentary perspective of the proposed amendments to the National Radioactive Waste Management Act. We urge our listeners to send in a submission opposing the passing of the bill. To find out how, go to melbournefo.org.au slash nuclear underscore free and have your say. Submissions are due by the 9th of April. To learn more about how bad the existing National Radioactive Waste Management Act is, check out nuclear.fo.org.au slash n-r-w-m-a. Thanks for listening to The Radioactive Show. You can download the podcast of this program at 3cr.org.au slash radioactive. If you'd like to get in contact, you can email us on radioactiveshow.3cr at gmail.com. The Radioactive Show was recorded and produced for 3CR on the lands of the Boon and Kaurna people with the support of Friends of the Earth Nuclear Free Collective. It's broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. Thanks for listening and tune in again next week for more news and views on nuclear, peace and energy issues.